a Steve Mathis production. Check it out, Pulp MX fans. We're proud to announce iPhone users can now get the official Pulp MX app from the App Store and have archives, show drops and technical info, stories, and even exclusive bonus Pulpcasts not available anywhere else. As always, use the Mathis code at btosports.com. And when buying from Amazon, click the banner on pulpmx.com to show your support. episode of the Steve Mathis show there is a high chanceability you will either learn something a lot of people don't know you left thinking or make you say to yourself dude that's so funny the bottom line is this podcast serves as archival documentation of this interview welcome to the racer x podcast show brought to you by btosports.com hosted by Steve Mathis Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast show, Anaheim to wrap up. I'm your host, Steve Mathis, with you, as usual, to uh, recap everything that went down at Anaheim. And with me on the line is uh, two guys that are got their finger on the pulse of motocross, and that would be Jason Wygant. Yeah. And David Pingree. Yes, sir. David Pingree driving back from Las Vegas, where he was on the Pulpomex show a mere 11 hours ago. Sure were. It was good times. Good times. We learned some new words, didn't we? We did. We did. Uh, I, I'm going to have to look into this, but uh, apparently the, the U.S. military has a department called the Squat Team. Yeah, the Squat Team. So, yeah, with a Q. Yep. And Weege, we also learned something about Ping. Did you know he went to a Halloween party dressed in blackface not that long ago? <laughs> <laughs> wow, like head dancing style? <laughs> Oh. Uh, this was years and years and years ago, Weech. Back in the days of, like, when Blazing Saddles was produced. <laughs> it was a different time. Different I'm times. You're not that old. Different times. <laughs> um. the, the, now we live in a time where if I expound or say any comments on that costume, I would pretty much get in trouble. So yeah. I can do nothing more than just laugh. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, all right, Anaheim 2 uh, came and went. Uh, first, I want to talk about the track a little bit. I got to say, I liked the track when I walked it in the morning. I thought it was going to be technical and tricky, and I always liked the sand sections. But, but Wygant, both mains were kind of a snoozer, and, and maybe that's something to do with the track. Well, yeah, that's hard to say, though. I mean, um, yeah. I think it's wishful thinking that you can manipulate anything, including the track, to make good racing. Um, sometimes it just happens. I'll give you a perfect example um, you had the Pulp MX contest winners um, hanging out with us mm-hmm. all weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Kawasaki gave people a trip to Anaheim too to hang out yep. with you, and then somehow me. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think I signed off on that, <laughs> but it was cool. Yeah. Um, so the guys suggested they're like, "Man, it's so deep. The competition is so deep this year." Um, I mean, that's the way Supercross built it up, right? Like that's what they wanted. That's that's the way they designed all this, right? And I'm like. 
no, that's just the way it worked out. Like, there's nothing in the sport that is done to create competition. Like, it's just dumb luck. Mm-hmm. When you get a good race, you get a good race. When you get a good season, you get a good season. But there's nothing you can do about tracks, rules, anything that makes it happen. Uh, Too bad. Uh, but, Ping, what do you think? Uh, last night we talked about a little bit about this on the show. And What do you think? Do you think the track caused? Well, I, I think the circumstances always trump whatever you're trying to do to manipulate it. But yeah, yeah. I, I definitely think there's tracks that are more conducive to better racing and um you know i I don't think the scenario played out for a good race you know it was like the the top guys were all kind of gapped a little bit but at one point when reed was closing in on james you know that could have turned into something good but i think i do think the track was so slick that it was hard for those guys to be really aggressive i think you had to you had to just kind of work the throttle and um tiptoe around some of those turns that first turn was like ice i mean those guys were just literally sliding around the whole thing so yeah. tough to be aggressive and make any kind of um you know any type of pass where you're squaring up or cutting under and because you, you just couldn't react that quickly without washing out uh i love the sand it's always cool but it just turns into turns into one line a little bit which is unfortunate but i always it looks good in photos anyways um so uh, moving on to the, the Supercross class, Ryan Villapoto pretty much uh, grabbed the lead back from Chad Reed, who said after the race that he might have parked Villapoto, huh? Why can't? What? Chad said if it was round 15. Really? Why did he say that? He's on Racer X. Did you interview him after the race? Yeah, he didn't. He didn't say that he might have parked Villapoto, not to me. Did he not say if it was round 15, it would have been different? He could have been on the ground? Not to me. Where did I see that then? Read, read the VTO podcast it. show where Steve Mathis makes things up. <laughs> it's BTOsports.com. Um, no, Reed said that he was actually pumped to get third because he was sick, and that was about it. Mentioned nothing specifically about the race at all. No. Okay. So he might have said that, but not to me. Okay. All right. Um, it was the classic midnight Chad Reed interview. Same circumstances as usual. The only rider left. Right? The guy's just hanging out um, uh, after the races. Um, last week in in Oakland, he was just there in his gear still, just chilling with fans, taking every photo, signing every everything he can. There's always- well, I've written about this before. I think he's he is making himself enjoy it. You know what I mean? Like these could you could you're going to have to do some of that stuff anyway. So you can either like it or hate it. You can't not do it. And if you try not to do it, it only makes your life even more miserable. Yeah. So I think he's decided, I'm going to be here and I'm going to enjoy every aspect of the races. And does that not make the workday probably more fun? I think so. Yeah, I try to enjoy myself. Makes it better. Um, yeah. Here's the quote here. Um, but I don't know what website it's from, but it is from a website. Um, Ryan's vulnerable in that next turn because he almost has to set up for the whoops. And I just kind of went in there and it was interesting. Chad chuckled. And continued, fifth round, question mark, you kind of be a little nice. But if that was the last round and we're going for a championship, he was on the ground. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, of course, I got texted um, that by a certain Kawasaki team member saying, oh, yeah, saying, oh, yeah you know. So, um, but it was, it was uh, on the website. Um, anyways, anyways. Uh, well, Reed knows what he's doing. He knows when he says that what yeah. reactions get. It's not like he's going to be. Yeah. Scared now that Villapoto read it. Like he knows exactly what he's doing. No, and and, and I guess this this is this is the point. Uh, Why well, again? Uh, RV 
looked good, dominated, um, did what we thought we we see happen if he got the whole shot, right? Well, yeah, which goes back to me about the track thing. Like, I don't know if you could say, huh, maybe the track wasn't conducive to good racing. I don't know if any track is if Filippoto gets the whole shot. <laughs> Does it matter what the track yeah. is? Yeah. Yeah, maybe not, so huh? That's my point. Yeah, that, that's what I, I mean. It might have, if he started fifth, then we might be saying the track led to some good racing. I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely was a different track than Oakland, though. I will say that, right? It pretty much turned out. Yeah. You know, this, I, the, uh, Oakland was soft and broke down, and this one was um, harder packed and got slippery. I really wish they had left the whoops alone. I do too. I, I yeah. think if those whoops had stayed the same, <clears throat> I mean, you guys watched early. How much faster was James Stewart than everybody when they were big? He was like a whole nother level. Yeah. You guys catch that? It's pretty I mean, it was like you'd watch him go through and just go, oh, my gosh. I mean, like riding the back wheel across the last 10 just yeah. flat out. It was impressive. And even you watch Bill Poto, and he, he wasn't anything amazing through him when they were big. He was getting through him okay, but it wasn't right. anything amazing. But yeah. Dewey had him dialed. And I, I think that would have been a that would have a spot where he could have made up a lot of time. Um I thought Reed was I thought I thought Reed was gonna pour it on a little harder and, and catch Stewie, to be honest. I thought he was. Didn't didn't work out, but thought so. Well, well you yeah. gotta give credit for the effort of both of those guys. I mean, obviously Stewart was uh, a little beat up from <laughs> From a crazy hard crash yeah. in that heat race, and then it turned out that that Reed was sick as well. I know, I know, those are excuses, <laughs> and, you, and you shouldn't ever tell the truth. It's just such a weird dynamic we have where we get mad when the riders don't say anything except thank their sponsors, and then when they actually do tell you stuff, then people say they're making up excuses, like you know, landing back first into a jump at 30 miles an hour in your heat yeah. race, or puking that day. I think those are legit. You know, all, newsworthy items that are worth saying. They're all just a bunch um, of whiners. They're just all they're all just making excuses. Back in the day, Hannah would throw up on the line, on the starting line, <laughs> and then deny it. I guess. I guess he would deny. Yeah. It. And I don't think anyone. I don't think either guy said that. Um, you know, saying we would have beaten Villapoto had that not happened. You know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. they're just telling you yeah. what they went through. Um, um, uh, Ping, you were working for the Asterix crew, and uh, so you had a uh, first-hand account uh, of Stewart's. Uh, Crash pretty gnarly, huh? It looked like it, it, he got a little lucky with the tough block. Yeah, you know, a lot of guys, I, I keep hearing a lot of people online saying uh, they thought Stewart was unconscious because he was laying there and not moving. But, um, I, yeah, I was working for Asterisk that night, so I was the second one to get to him. And uh, he just got winded. You know, he got, got the wind knocked out of him. So he was <laughs> laying there in obvious pain, but he was conscious the whole time. He never lost consciousness. So I think that tough block did save him. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at the replay, you can see him as he's going to get flicked to the ground. He lands on one of those, and it absorbs a lot of his uh, momentum. You know what I mean? I think he got the wind knocked out of him from slamming his chest on the bars on his bike. So he rolled out of that about as, as about as luckily as you could. Um, but even still, he got up, and you could tell he was in a lot of pain. Hmm. Um, I just I always love the reaction. Of guys laying there on the ground, an electronic ping guy is hovering over top of them. Hey man, are you okay? Are you okay? Oh dude, <laughs> you you wrote that thing about me four years ago. F you. I hate you. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but why can't um, uh, 
yeah, so definitely remember Houston when he landed on the back of JT. He he again fell into the tough blocks. So Stewie loves no, I think I'm, I'm beginning to wonder if this is um, he developed a, if I'm going down, go to the sidelines. Yeah. Because he the most infamous one was Daytona 06, I think, where he went flying over a berm. It was a full on Hulk Hogan slamming Andre the Giant body slam, except he managed to land back first on a tough block. I believe he got bailed out by a tough block in his crash at L.A., I think, didn't he? He had that uh, crash in practice, and he caught a little bit of tough block. Yeah. In the whoops? Um, no. Yeah, yeah, he crashed in the whoops, whoops before right. the tunnel. Yeah. Caught a little tough block there. I mean, uh, I, I mean, like I said, I, obviously, he's not doing it on purpose. I'm kidding. No. But yeah. sure seems like he gets bailed out by landing on foam quite often. Okay, here's a question for you, Wagant. We were debating this last night on the show. Um, we're, we've now noticed James Stewart being a little different rider than what we've used to seeing. He's not quite as explosive or dynamic as what we're used to seeing. But maybe he's riding for points. Maybe he's taking it easy. Maybe he's trying to back it down a little bit. Uh, what, do, you, do you agree? There's got to be some combination of those elements in uh-huh. there because um, it's weird. In this race, you know, he didn't get a great start because he had a bad gate pick, what have you. And, um, you know, he got in the second, and he was a little bit beat up, and it was like, well, he's not going to reel in Villapoto. I mean, you watched a few laps to see if he could do it, but – after a lap or two, you're like, nah, he's just too far back. Mm-hmm. He's going to get second or third tonight, which is normal for anyone except, again, the ridiculous standard we have for James Stewart. Yeah. Where, can I use the word prime? Is that wrong to use the word prime? In his prime, it didn't matter. Like, oh, he's five and a half seconds behind, but there's 11 laps to go. Yeah. No problem. Right. He's either going to crash or catch the guy, but he's not just going to take second. Um, so I don't know. It's so hard to say. Is it because he's just not fast enough to do it anymore? Is he not willing to? Is it too risky? Mm-hmm. Um, it's got to be some combination of, uh, of all of it. But I think we're giving him too much credit just to say that it's all he's riding for points. I mean, I would think if he yeah. knew he could do it, he would just continue to do that. Why would he stop now? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, exactly. So I don't yeah. think it's all strategy. There's got to be some missing element where he just can't go out there and do it because oh. otherwise he probably would like he always did. Some missing speed um, is really what you mean to say. Um, well, yeah, so I mean, yeah. like, why would you, if you knew that you, hey, five and a half seconds, I can go a second lap faster and catch this guy in six laps. When he knew he could do that before, he went and did it. So why wouldn't you? Yeah. Exactly. I think at the beginning of that race, at some point, you know, like when he started doing those tabletops that certain way, I'm sure he was putting in like his best laps and spotting Villapoto or his mechanics telling him the gap. I'm sure he kind of gauged it and went, okay, can I catch him? Like, only put in a few good laps and see if I'm closing on him. And he wasn't, you know, I mean, not at least not significantly. And I think, I, I don't know this, you'd have to ask him if you could ever get him on the phone, but I think at some point you just go, okay. I'm not going to get him tonight. Like, he's, he's riding good. I need to just be smart here. Mm-hmm. You, at least you should think that's what would go through his head. He'd make a run. Okay, I'm not going to pull this guy in. Just be smart, put in good laps, and take, go home with a second tonight, you know? Yeah. Ryan's not even the points leader. I'm, I'm ahead of the two guys with the red plates. That's good. Although Ryan is now the points leader. but All right. But, yeah, I got I, No, I got it. Um, hey, Ping, we've seen two races in a row where the, the, the big four guys are been the big four guys and 
Dungey's had some work cut out for him, but at the end of the race, he's in fourth and, you know, has a nice gap on fifth. Who's your pick to straight up, without anything happening to the other guys, get in there? Or is there anybody? Well, I keep wanting to say Brayton. I just, because I've seen him ride at practice tracks during the week, and he's so fast, and he looks so comfortable and so good on that bike, but we really haven't seen that guy at the race. You know, he's he's tentative, and, um, this, you know, the speed isn't there. Yeah, he, he, this was probably his best weekend, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but if he can ride like he does during the week on the weekend, I think Justin Brayton's the guy. Well, he did have the fastest time in qualifying, which made Wygant very happy. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, um, the, the speed is there, in, in a sense. So, is that... So that means that because I was looking and saying, man, he had all the all the elements kind of lined up for him tonight. He even got good starts, which normally is a bit of a problem for him in Supercross. But he even got that, and it was the same day that he was fastest qualifier. And I'm like, nope. Even with all those things stacked <laughs> in his favor, yeah, he was still only able to get fifth. But Ping, you think that that actually wasn't? It was his maybe best performance we've seen on Saturday night. But you think he could do actually even better? He's got more under the hood. Yeah, he's just he's not. Riding on the weekends like he does during the week. Hmm. Yeah, I'm waiting for somebody to grab that best of the rest title. Shorty, Brayton, Weimer, Meddy did it one week, but th- there's nobody that, like, I think before you get into that top four, Ping, and you're the racer here, although I have some titles behind myself, but um, before you get into that top four, you got to be that fifth, sixth guy every week, right? Yeah, well, you, yeah, you've got to be consistently running up there, and, and yeah. like you said, none of them, none of them have really been able to do that. No, no, we haven't seen. Um, every week, I'm like looking to see who the who the who the guy is that can take a hold of that fifth spot, and no one seems to be able to. Yeah, Wyndham was up there once. I mean, it's really changed around every time. You know what, though, I think there's a there's a reason it always gets mixed up like that. Like I remember in the days when McGrath was winning. You could look at second and third every week and be like, man, that's a gnarly battle. Those guys are close in points. It switches every weekend. Why can't that be the battle one spot further up? But I don't think it's a coincidence because it's when you win every week, you're pumped every week. You have confidence every week. But when you get fifth every week, I don't think it's the same level of mental boost, even though, okay, if you want to say realistically, that's as good as I'm going to get. Those other four guys are faster than me. But I don't think it quite works like that. You don't build the same level of invincible confidence because you get fifth every week yeah. that you do when you win every week. So it doesn't quite work the same, even though you would think it could. Okay, Short got fifth last week. I know I'm the fifth best guy. I'll just get fifth every week now. Yeah. I don't think it, I don't think it works that way. Yeah, probably not. Um, why not? Did you do your JGR? You win three races in a row. It makes a bigger change than getting three fifths in a row. in a row, yeah. Well, and, and especially because Short, Brayton, Metcalf, um, Maybe Wyndham. Those guys are all expected to be, like, you need to be on the podium. I mean, for, for Suzuki, Medi is the only guy. You know, you need to be the guy. For, for Brayton, it's like, hey, you have a one-year deal with Factory Honda. Like, our other guy's out. <laughs> you need to be on the box. You know what I mean? They're, they're expecting right. those guys to, to step up. And, and same with Short. Hey, you're the, you're the reason this whole team exists right now. So, uh, it's a lot of pressure. And even if they don't verbally say that, 
you don't have to be a rocket scientist to put all that together. I mean, no. there's a lot of pressure on those guys. Yeah, I don't think anybody. And when you're getting fifth, I don't think that's a you know. I don't know. I, I think you still feel like crap. I'm still not where I need to be. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. Um, yeah, exactly. Hey, uh, Wagan, did you do your JGR lunch? Nah, just uh, too much going on here. Yeah, wow. I didn't. I didn't get to go over yesterday. We uh, chased our website guy was out, so I had to post everything all day. So I had to had to keep the I don't know okay. some cliche man uh, the Ford or keep the, the uh, down keep the gravy train rolling. I don't know. Stay um, close to the machine. Yeah, I don't know what the term is. Okay, but, well here's what. Yeah, I, sorry, no okay. feedback yet. Well, I'm sure I'll go there by the end of the week if you want to do another one of these. Here, here's where I'm getting at. Quietly, Millsaps has had three good races in a row. I mean, yeah, no, huh? Millsaps, not not. I mean, um, you got totally cut off there. I don't know how that happens when we're both on landlines. Yeah, that's really weird. Um, quietly, David Millsaps has had three good races in a row. Not in that fifth spot, but he's riding well. It just shows how unpredictable that second group is. Because mm-hmm. when we had the season preview podcast, um, I said my sleeper was Millsaps. You said your sleeper was short. And JT said his sleeper was Weimer, and I think I had Weimer as my most likely to disappoint yes. Yes, you guy. Did. Yes, you did. Right. So after Phoenix, Phoenix looked like a complete idiot because Millsaps had been not even close to the top ten while Weimer was on the podium. But now between the three, if you're looking at the results, I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just so scrambled every week. Like, Weimer's had a couple of bad races in a row now. Um, Millsaps had a couple of decent ones. I mean, not podium level, but – no. Just so hard with that group. It's just so hard with that group. Um, and I don't think, you know, in the category of who's lost the most weight, though, no contest. Yeah. David Millsap. Yeah. I mean, he wins. Yes. <laughs> yes. Although I'm still not sure how losing 40 pounds in a month is actually good. Like, isn't there a <laughs> limit to what's, what's considered healthy? I mean, good if you're a supermodel and all you got to do is stand there. But as an athlete, I'm not sure. <laughs> but. But anyway, the, the JGR guys normally, as we say, honest to a fault. Um, I mean, I don't know if they're looking at this as like a breakthrough turnaround, yes, or not. Mm-hmm. I think with Davey, better. I think with Davey, like when you watch a race and you check out guys in the 16th, 17th lap, and that's a good gauge to me of seeing what's going on. And oftentimes, Davey would be sitting down, seat bouncing on the 16th, 17th lap, and sort of just putting in the time. But I think the last couple of weeks, to me, he looks like he's uh, still charging, still working hard, still working at trying to get b- battling somebody. He hasn't given up or anything like that. He's not too tired or, you know what I mean? And I think for Davey, where he's coming, you know, and all that, I think that's, that's, a, that's a win. So, I mean, that's my standards. Debate them all mm-hmm. you want, but. No, no, I understand. Um, um, hey, hey, Ping, let me, let me throw this one at you. You've had guys that work with trainers or work with them yourself and things like that. I mean, on the outside, okay, Millsaps has got a couple of good guys around him. He's got this trainer, Pablo, who I guess is the one responsible for him losing all this weight. And he's got Ezra Lusk, who is even at the race this weekend. You know, the JGR team has got some experienced guys. So he's got people that know what they're doing around him. Is it possible to trick all those guys, like, you know, they're telling you this program works, you need to do this, you need to do that, and then you somehow, do you just not do it, or do you do it at 80% and they can't tell the difference? Like, how do you have people around you pushing you yet not put in the effort? Like, how does that happen? Well, no, I, I mean, I think with, 
with the guys he's got around him, he's got to be doing the work. You know, I mean. Well, there you go. If he was half-assed, Ezra would be able to, to tell, and he'd call him out on it, I think, you know. Um, but I think still, it's not like just because you're working hard, you're going to go to the race, and it's not going to be tough. It's still at the 15th lap, you're tired, you know. It's, I just don't care what you're doing. You're going to be tired. And, and the difference is, you know, how bad, how bad do you want it? How much does it mean to you? That's, that's the difference between how you're going to ride those last five laps, whether you're sitting down, seat bouncing, or you're still trying to get one more guy. And I think in the past, Davey just he hasn't had the heart. He's like, eh, yeah. whatever. Well, I'm going to catch one more guy, like whatever. You know, and, and maybe he's to the point now where it, it means more to him and he's really, you know, really trying to get a couple extra spots. Um, yeah, cool. yeah, and that, that that makes more sense than the just. Well, he's just lazy. He's just not training hard enough. And I'm like, well, how can he not be? How could yeah. these guys be around him and just letting this go? Right. That makes a little more sense. Um, what happened to Weimer? Anybody know? He's had a couple. Uh, I believe he, yeah. he crashed on the first lap, or the he crashed early. Yeah. I know that. Yeah, he, cra- he crashed with Shorty. He, he, oh, he did. He just got up sooner. Okay. No, no. Who, who crashed with Shorty? Oh, I'm saying. Uh, I think Short was by himself. Oh. Got he said he hit somebody. I thought he told us he hit somebody. Or... He hit Metcalf. Metcalf swapped, but I don't think Metcalf. Went oh, okay. Down. Metcalf didn't go down with him. No, I don't. I don't believe so. I need to watch the GoPro. Somebody twittered that there's a GoPro footage of it. Um, but to me, uh, I think Shorty can get into that fifth place all the time. But maybe not. You know, I mean, it's 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 really deep, and it's really dependent on where you start and what happens and. And nobody can seem to stay out of trouble except for, I mean, even Dungey can't stay out of trouble. He's had a couple of, you know, for for off off weeks for him. I mean, a lot of guys would take that, but um, he's kind of had two little invisible rides, huh? Why get? Once again, even though you're on a landline, it cut off. Okay, Dungey's had a couple of weeks where he's 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 gotten fourth, but he's been a little invisible out there, kind of riding by himself, lost touch with the top three. Yeah, it's just so hard when we try to make um, decisions early in the year, and that's what we're supposed to do. I mean, mm-hmm. you, we can't just do these shows or, or write stories, or even the fans on the stands can't just go to the race and say, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you always try to come up with something based on what you see. So, right. you know, for example, Weimer has a great race at Anaheim 1, an even better one at Phoenix, and um, you're thinking, all right, he, he's a player. Now, there's a chance he still will be, Yeah. but after the next couple rounds, you're like, oh, I don't know, maybe – he just came in with a full head of steam. Maybe that team had their stuff dialed in a little before everybody else. Um, you know, it's not impossible for him to be on the podium again. But now you're like, I'm not sure. Um, so you take a guy like Dungey. They we're wondering, how's this new bike going to work? How can it? How can they be ready so quickly? Mm-hmm. Well, they win a race right off the bat, and you think it's case closed. It's done. It's over. They've got it figured out. Now you start thinking, well, maybe that was, maybe that was a little premature. Mm-hmm. It's hard to judge because he's got bad starts. But um, it's, I, don't, I don't think it's a case closed like maybe we thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one thing they're going to struggle with on that bike. Sometimes to, the first couple Steve, rounds can, can be a little misleading, that's for sure. <clears throat> Steve, you can speak to this a little bit. It's like uh, Ryan's got a bunch of specs and stats from last year and, and however long he's been riding that bike. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's a little ruddy and soft. It's like this. That was kind of like this track last year. Here's what we did. It made it a lot better. Remember that? Let's let's maybe go that direction. Mm-hmm. 
you know, they've got some stuff that they've done in the past. They're more familiar with what their bike does under what conditions. That everything's brand new with that KTM. Yeah. You know, so they're, they're, they're out there kind of scrambling. Go, okay, well, crap, you know, they're making their best guess. Let's try and go this direction. Right. And um, I actually talked with Rob Henderson a little bit about that, who's their suspension um, guy. And uh, he said just that. You know, they get back after a practice, and everyone's going, oh, what about this? Let's go this, do this. Let's, you know, and he said it's really frustrating because we've got five different people giving five different opinions. Mm-hmm. And um, they're just, everyone's, it's all coming from a good place. They just want to make it right. better. But, you know, they, they can't go back in a book and go, okay, well, here, last year, what did we do here? Okay, yeah. we did this. That right. was better. Let's try that. Well, There's none of those results. And then, like, Wygant, like you've said a few times, Ryan makes a lot of changes on his bike in between practices and races. It always seemed like in the Suzuki days that, right. um, you know, the, the, the few things you could get from him in an interview were about how they changed stuff and they gambled. And especially, I feel like, that 2010 season outdoors, there were a lot of races where he didn't seem that impressive in, say, the first practice, and it was better in the second. And then by the time they were racing, they had it dialed in. Mm-hmm. So that does seem like they're – their MO. So, yeah, it is misleading. There could be a night where they didn't need to change things, so everything seemed like that bike's dialed in. But maybe it's not quite that simple. Do you guys hear a lot of sort of, I don't want to say complaining, but maybe lack of a better word would be complaining. Do you guys hear a lot of complaining from other guys about the bike and how you it's a works bike? And even though they're following the rules and there's nothing wrong with it and they're going to get them in the dealerships, probably the most minimum amount they can, but... Do you guys hear a lot of sort of complaints about that from other guys? I haven't. I didn't know that was an issue. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. Um, no, have you? Yeah, I have. I, and, I, and, I, and it's it's just like, you know, ah, the stupid rules, the, you know, why shouldn't they have um, that thing should be in the in the dealerships, you know, January 1, and and who knows what they're racing, who know, who really knows what they're racing, and who knows what they're bringing out. Just, you know, just, just the pit paddock chatter. You know, so, um, anyways, but yeah, they're not doing anything against the rules and that's the way it is. And I mean, to me, our technical end of things, as far as AMA pro is pretty slack. So yeah, we'll never really, Well, I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say, be careful. Yeah. Be careful what you wish for. Like, okay. If you really want to start having, do you really want to have people start expecting things to the letter of the law? Yeah, exactly. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to these podcasts. They wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for BTOsports.com as well as the other advertisers. So I appreciate if you just listen to this, deal with it, order some stuff from BTO, and then we'll get right back to the show. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the BTOsports.com podcast show. Please don't forget that BTO is the world leader in aftermarket motocross parts for the bike or body. You'll find deals like a Shoei VFXW helmet for $309.99, 45% off, or Smith Piston goggles for $32.99, 65% off. Your order can be shipped at anywhere in the USA for free. Or if you're not in the USA, we ship worldwide. Check it out at btosports.com. JT Racing USA is back to reestablish its deep roots in the motocross industry with an all-new, innovative line of racewear and casual wear. While bringing many of JT's strongest design elements from its golden years back to life, the racewear is constructed with the highest grade material on the market and has a technological fit, feel, and function that is sure to raise the bar in how motocross gear is being built. JT has relaunched itself back into motocross with the Pro Tour jersey, classic pants, lifeline, and flex field gloves in eight colorways with an assortment of men's and women's casual wear to add to its collection. 
By redefining the meaning of airflow, JT has incorporated its airline system technology into this collection and have launched their all-new ALS2 helmet in seven colorways to complete the rebirth of the brand. The wait is over. So, lights class. Let's move on to the lights class, otherwise known as the return of Jean Carlos Ramos. Yes. He's back. You know, Where was he? I don't know. Filming a movie. Busy. No, that, yeah, I guess so. Um, Only goes to races in the L.A. area. Do you know he is, uh, his national number, there's only two guys or three guys who are higher than 992? He almost has the highest national, or highest uh, pro, pro number. I give you credit for figuring out that very few riders have a number higher than 992 to Thank 999. You. Thank you. Thank you. Mm, um, excellent analysis. Uh, Eli Tomac, let's, let's move on. Well, let me ask this. Um, uh, Weege, if Cole Seeley doesn't fall, does he win the race? You know, I looked at the lap times, and he actually was going a little bit quicker than uh, Tomac. But, I mean, it's so hard to say because it was three laps in, and maybe Tomac was like, okay, no. he's going to go this fast. I don't care if it's hard to say. I, I'm asking you for opinion. That's what you get paid to do. All right. Some people aren't going to be happy, but some people are. I think Tomac would have won. Okay. Well, Ping thinks you're an idiot because he said Seeley would have won. <laughs> there we go. Well, it was lap five when he fell, and he was actually opening up a gap on Eli. Um, you know, Eli didn't have any lines. He had that one rhythm lane that he was tripling in, but it wasn't any faster. Um, obviously, who knows? I mean, Eli's definitely been the guy this year, but I know Cole just, when he gets, when he gets out front and gets comfortable, he's fast, and he's really... Um, he, well, he's won two races that way, whole shotting and just going away. So, right. So you say last year, Ping. You say was, you say Sealy wins. Why against says no? Yeah, I mean, who knows? But mm -hmm. I, I think he definitely had a good chance at it. Right. So, do we? I mean, obviously, it's racing. Anything can happen. But it's not. Look, it's it's not looking good for Dean Wilson to make this up, huh? Why again? I mean, he just. You know, I want to say he got bad starts, but early on he was he was top five right away, and he made yeah. steady progress on uh, Izzy and on Musquin, but he wasn't catching those guys like the way a outdoor national champion slash pro circuit rider probably should. Well, I just think if the situation was reversed, because you're right, he was in the fifth pretty early, and there wasn't a huge gap at that point. You know, and I think you're seeing the aggression that Tomac has at times, um, you know, to the point where he, you know, at one race had the fastest lap of anybody, including the 450 guys, or he's jumping something no one else is jumping. And you just feel like with that aggression, you put him in that situation and he makes something, uh, makes a little more happen out of it. I don't know if he wins the race, but maybe he at least gets Muskin, you know, that's maybe the difference. Uh, or maybe, you know, Sealy did fall. They had, a, they had a huge gap already. Yeah, they did. But um, I, I just feel like he might have made a little bit more out of it than, than Wilson did. So I don't think it's fair to say, you know, they're dead on equal. It's just the starts that are the difference. Yeah, you don't think it's fair to say that. No, I don't right, think it is. Right. I don't think it is. I think that, I mean, I mean look at the gap. That Sealy, the, the gap that Sealy and Tomac had at the beginning was ridiculous. I mean, they were going faster than everybody else out there. Yeah. It's not just starts. They were going faster. Well, let, let me, uh, you know, we had JT on last week. We, we bumped Ping. And he was very upset about it and called his agent. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah. Uh, and we had JT on, and, and we won't tell Ping the answer, 
what JT said, but I'm going to ask Ping the same question I asked JT because I believe, even though JT's our buddy, I believe he was wrong. But uh, <laughs> uh, Ping, do, I mean, is it, is it just the simple fact that Dean Wilson isn't as good a supercross rider as he is outdoors? Is that just, I mean, can we just say that? Can we? Can we? Yeah, I think so. I think he's he's more comfortable outdoors. It's, it's not uncommon. I mean, it's, you know, there's a lot of guys. Most guys, I would say, favor one or the other. I think Dean is just more comfortable outdoors. He, he's a great supercross rider. But right now, straight up, Eli's faster on but a I more mean, consistent basis. And I think, I think Celia is too in supercross. But outdoors, Dean will probably beat Sealy at every single moto. You know, I mean... <laughs> and bad. And bad at that. Well, you know. Well, yep. JT, JT said you, you can't say that. He hasn't raced that many Supercrosses. We don't really know. But this is his third year. Yeah, after three seasons, you can look at results and start Thank to form some pretty Thank legit opinions. Thank you. So we just we just proved that JT's an idiot. <laughs> well, I don't... I know, I'm just kidding. But you know what I mean? Like, at some point... And I like Dean. Dean's a great guy. He wrote for Canada, one across the nations. Who can forget? Um, at some point. No, if, if, if you're saying that, it's coming from a real place because you swing from his nuts pretty hard. Oh my God! No, I don't. Oh, you. Oh my. Are you serious? I mean, I like him. Totally a, do. Oh, you totally. Jesus. Okay. All right. Listen. Every time we talk about the lights class, it starts. It's like. Dean Wilson is the gold standard, and how did everyone else do around him? Well, Jesus, he he like made this question you're asking me right now. Well, I mean, I don't know, I don't know why I would possibly say that when someone makes 21 out of 24 <laughs> podiums in an outdoor series. You're right. I mean, uh, uh, no, I hear you. I'm not. I'm just busting your balls. I know. But I, know. I think, you know, I, I think it's it's very fair to I say that he's group, though. He prefers outdoor supercross. You know, the real reason that you're that you. you analyze all this really is because this is the lights class and you're trying to figure out what's going to happen down the road when these guys are in the main class and there may be the main guys going for the main championship and it's just so hard it wouldn't surprise me at all somewhere down the road if Tomac is better than Wilson Outdoors or Barsha is or vice versa you know what I mean I mm-hmm. feel like that whole group is so close that well, look, at, look at history look at McGrath like Supercross Emig like Outdoors more you know, um, you, you can look back on guys and go, yeah, he was definitely uh, definitely better here or better there. And I think Eli right now is going to be a little bit better in Supercross, and Dean's probably going to be a little bit better outdoors Right. when I mean, you look at their results over time. When you look at Dean, Dean's credentials, and then now he's going on three years and he's not going to win this title unless something really, really bad happens to Eli Tomac. So he's going to, ha- he's going to go his entire three-year career – Without winning a 125 Supercross or 250F Supercross Championship, that that didn't happen to Villapoto, Stewart, Reed, Dungey, Wyndham, Millsaps, none of those guys. Um, Weimer, Kennard, Kennard, like if you well, just won an outdoor national championship, which is a bigger deal, really. Oh, and it is. Weimer it is. didn't do that, and you know a lot of guys. So no, I know. Doesn't doesn't mean his career's. No, of yeah, course not. That's his deal. He's a little better outdoors than in. Right. Well, my whole point with JT was, can we say that? Can we say that? And I don't think we back me. JT was saying we can't say that. We don't know. No, I actually agree with JT. Okay, well, you suck. You can suck it. So. Yeah, so I'm, I'm incorrect. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, all right. <laughs> There's only one opinion allowed on this podcast, and it's mine. <laughs> it's the one I have. 
Um, it's you guys my, have stated a great case, and I'm a flip flopper. I it, guess that's what it is. It's uh, it's my equipment, and I'll t- I'll take it home. Um, what else? Uh, hey, Michael Lieb. I, honestly, I didn't see this coming when when he said he's coming back and he's going to ride a uh, you know private your Honda and all that. Uh, you know, I don't remember Michael Lieb as an amateur because I don't follow the amateurs as closely as a lot of guys do. Um, so I don't remember how he does as an amateur. He went straight to Europe, which is very bizarre and very weird. And didn't put any results in Europe to speak of, but hey, sixth place, uh, and he's a solid top ten in the points. Um, it's good, huh, again? Yeah, it's it's uh, better than I would have thought. I mean, he he won a title at Loretta's, and uh, hopefully, this is the da- the dangerous thing when you analyze amateur results because the people who followed it most closely are generally just, um, let's see, relatives, mom and dad, friends, <laughs> yeah. agents, mom and dad, yeah. <laughs> They're the only people that are following it closely, so that's the audience that's going to disagree with you. And as we know, they're totally unbiased sources. And I don't even mean that with Lieb. I just mean with anybody. I mean, it's <clears throat> the race we're breaking down at Anaheim, there were 40,000, 50,000 witnesses um, that could be like, well, yeah, I could see that, or no, I don't know about that. But at the amateur races, the witnesses are pretty much mom and dad. So people would, could get mad. But, yeah, I remember Lieb as an amateur, and he was okay. He did win a B championship Mm-hmm. under some crazy dramatic circumstances. He dug down deep, he won it. But at no point was I ever like, oh, yeah. Right. So, I, I, yeah, I'd say this is over par. And the same thing, like, I think there's a reason he had to go over to Europe. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I don't think any of the other teams are watching him as an amateur and say, we got to get this guy. So this is impressive, I think. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, what, what a weird career path, you know, to, like, go from amateurs to factory Husqvarna in Europe. Yeah. You know, never even take a swing at it over here, really. Um, he didn't, did he? Right? Yeah, I, he didn't. No, nah, right. I mean, I don't remember it. If, if it happened, did he do some pro races here before he went over? Anybody know? I don't remember. I think he did. Maybe at the end. I guess we could always ask him, but I think he did at the very end, maybe of that that last year. But I don't know if he even. He definitely did ride Supercross, but maybe he rode a few nationals. You should look that up, huh? Yeah, why don't you look that up? Now we don't do stati- We don't do actual statistics and work. No, we do opinion, show. opinions and this was opinions and. I don't know. Uh, uh, guesses. Guesses. Hey, and this may sound super homosexual, but have you guys happened to walk by when he pulls his jersey off? Because uh, I think they got him on some Italian roids over there. Dude is like, you know, Mr. Olympia. No, shredded. I, I haven't seen him with his jersey off. Well, he practices at the same track. Bryce Valley does a lot of Dottaglia. So I'd always see him. I'm like, snap. Everyone is like, What's up with Lieb over there, you know? <laughs> Captain America. <laughs> hey, which, which way is the gym? Uh, uh, well, I don't know about about what he looks like under the jersey, but I'll tell you what, that jersey of his is sweet. Oh, because the boy, jersey uh, is, is yeah. JT. And that stuff, with his red, white, and blue and all that, that is some good-looking gear. Why, Gant, do you agree? I am uh, – I'm going to – Skip that topic and go right to vault.racerxonline.com. No nationals for uh, Michael Lee. Mm. I see Augie Lieber and Dave Likens, but not Michael Lieb. Well, again, when you're down on your luck and RacerX fires you and you can't get a job in the industry, you're not going to be the gear guy for JT either. They're not going to hire you. Like, just, I want to let you know they that. They could use my guidance. I just want to let you know that, okay? Because Maybe. Sometimes you need out-of-the-box thinking. Maybe I can help them. <laughs> You're a hater. and Okay. Uh, my, buddy Kevin Kelly said it, my buddy Kevin Kelly said it this way. 
1964 Ford Mustang was cool, so they make the 1960 or they make the 2012 Ford Mustang have a few cues, but they don't make it look exactly like a car from 1964. I I think that's wrong. I think no one was saying the 64 Mustang wasn't cool, wasn't classic, but mm-hmm. Ford would not put it brand new into a dealership today. There's many things different about their gear, and I, I don't have time to get into it. Um, uh, Nico Izzy is Izzy Izzy back? Izzy is back? He? Is he back to where he was? He? No. Uh, Anyone? I don't know if he's quite back to that level. I mean, it's definitely better than it's been. Right. But um, you know, a few years ago, I think people forget. Right before he had that huge crash at um, Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, he wasn't too shabby at that point. He wasn't. He hadn't gotten a win, but he was hovering. You know, he's on the podium every week, and he was in the points and stuff. He was actually pretty close. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know if he's quite back to that level, but it's a definite improvement over. I mean, last year he was barely even out there. Um, yeah, he's doing well. He's, it's a nice little comeback story, right? And for the well, you have him and Stroop in the same team, and Stroop hasn't even gotten into a main event yet. So you see the different ways this can go. I think they were both trying. Yeah. So there, there's the other direction it could have gone. So right. compared to that, really and, good. And just and just back me a little bit on the on the podcast. Why again? You heard some of the same stuff that I did that I wrote in Racerhead about Stroop. Oh yeah. On the edge yeah. of of. I mean, it's not. I didn't make it up. Yeah, we're we're kind of mad because um, Steve mentioned in Racerhead on Friday that you know we're hearing rumors that that Stroop could be on his way out over at that team, and I heard the same rumors. And I might add from different people. So we got a bunch of different yeah. sources here, all agreeing. Um, you know, and then Stroop says, how can you guys be so rude? I'm not at the races because I'm hurt, not fired. Yeah. Well, dude, yeah. obviously we don't, we're not basing on the fact that you're not there. We don't, we don't think Michael Byrne is fired <laughs> yeah. from BTO or Trey Kennard is fired just because yeah. they're not racing. Kennard's not there? Uh, must be fired. Must be fired. Like, that's not where we came up with it, A. And B, do you really think that we came up with it from nothing? Yeah. Like, we just made it up? Yeah. Like, like I woke, woke up, up in the morning and yeah. said, hey. Let's just say he's fired. Yeah, let's just ah, hey, why not? For giggles, for poops and giggles, yeah. let's write this. Stroop yep. is is on the verge of getting fired. Like I mean, I don't uh, these guys, you know. But you know what? This happens all the time. How many times, Steve, have you gone out there and said, "I've heard this rider is talking to this team." The rider or team says, "You completely fabricated that. That's a total lie. I don't know where you're getting this information." And then the next year, that's the team he's riding for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I can recently think of something like Travis Baker when he was leaving, leaving Moto Concepts, and I wrote that he was going to go to Troy Lee, and I got a tongue lashing like no other from Mike Genova. Uh, you know, where, Ginobili. Ginobili. Uh Where am I getting my information from? That's that's incorrect. He's got a contract. He will be on a Moto Concepts Yamaha the next season. There is no doubt. I I can't. I got to be more responsible with what I write. Blah 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 blah. And Travis Baker went to Tra- Troy Lee Designs the next year. Thank you. So. Point yeah. being, who has who has more reason to lie and try to protect things and keep things secret? Us, who have nothing to lose or gain in any of these situations. Yeah, yeah. I don't make money. Or the person true. who, right? Yeah, right. I didn't. There isn't. There isn't. I live in Vegas, but there's no casinos that are taking odds on Stroop getting f- fired. And I went and laid down a whole bunch of money, and I started rumors. Right. Yeah, right. That's, 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 that's not happening. So, um, anyways, let's let's move on from that. Ping the Martin Davalos. Uh, had a pretty normal race. I think he went down with Jason Anderson at some point. Um, both got, both Rockstar Suzuki riders were there, but he didn't he didn't didn't win a heat. Didn't hold shot. 
didn't set the fastest time. He just got a tenth. He had a normal race, which is rare for him this year. Yeah, all year, you know, we talked about he's been on the podium as much or more than anybody. It just hasn't been in a main event. But this weekend was super vanilla for him. He was never uh, a fast qualifier. Didn't didn't really win. You know, wasn't up there yeah. in the heat for the win. <clears throat> didn't have to go to the LCQ and then crashed and put a tent up in the main, which is like yeah. standard. Um, why well, again? You didn't go see Jason Anderson, did you? No, I'm not going to tempt fate like that. Um, I know that he rode pretty well at um, Oakland for a while, so I feel like this is very fragile. There's there's possibility of a breakthrough here. I'm definitely not going to mess with that right now. So I've stayed away. What, um, um, but he he's a much. I did talk to Davalos though. Yeah, you did Sorry. talk to Davalos. He said everybody pick me for fantasy. Said yeah, keep on supporting me, man. <laughs> I don't think the FTK thing has. I don't think he's aware of that. No, no, probably not. Um, uh, Wygant, uh, what's up with Ryan Sipes? He's like the new Davalos. If Davalos, well, if Davalos was is it, still in, Davalos is still in vogue, so you can't say he's the new Martin Davalos because Martin Davalos is the Martin Davalos. But Sipes is in that boat. He, I mean, at this point, if I'm Sipes, I'm just getting out of that class. This is it, right? Well, is is Sipes the new Davalos or is Sipes the old Sipes? Well, you know okay, what I mean? yeah, like, no. okay, he. He, he's gotten to a point on occasion now where we know he really can deliver, like he got some wins. But for the most part, I think if you look at um, his, whole, his career as a whole, not just last year or the year before where he almost won Dallas, I mean, if you look at his career as a whole, I don't think you'd say, wow, he's fastest in qualifying, but he's just not too many crashes in the main event. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's not that out of the realm for him. I mean, you would think, okay, he figured it out last year and he's not going to go back to that, but – he had two crashes in one lap in this one, right. um, and it was, I think, only a few minutes after Davalos had crashed, and I know that we all kind of looked at each other in the press box and were like, well, there you go. Davalos has gone down. Sipes has gone down. It was really fast. <laughs> the world is just not going not gonna to get a podium tonight. The world is complete right now. Wait. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, we're just pointing out stats here. Like, when Ryan Sipes won last year, everyone was pumped. Everybody likes that guy. Everybody respects that guy. Everybody wants to see that guy do well. And honestly, probably the same thing for Davalos. You know, we're just saying that it's not happening, that's all. Ping, if you're Sipes, are you, are you getting out of that class? I uh, sure think so, but, you know, the, the problem you run into is, is finding a good ride in the 450 class. Oh, sounds like a young, it, it, a young David Pingree's problem back in the day. Well, I, I mean, it's just a fact. It's right. like, trust me, there's plenty of guys. And I was one of them who would have loved to have moved up, you know. Um, I actually felt more comfortable on a bigger bike, and I'm sure Sipes is he's huge, you know. But if you're getting paid a good salary to ride a good lights bike and your only option in the big class is no money on a crap team, you know, it's not even really a tough decision. Mm-hmm. It just sucks. That's not what you want, but it is what it is. I mean, he's proven outdoors. That guy's like, he's ridiculous. He can be top five at an outdoor national in the 450 class. Probably, right? No, no, no question. Remember, he rode. He rode for Moto Concepts two years ago on a 450. Yeah. Yeah. And, and had some good rides. Uh, I and like I think eight, then yeah. it was yeah. money. You know, he, we were surprised then that he was moving back down. But then we realized he's probably making a lot more money to move back down. Like no money compared to some money. That's a pretty big difference. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it, it's a tough decision for these guys, for sure. No doubt. And, and they, and they got to really weigh that. Sipes is uh, – 
Who's been in the class longer, Sipes or, or Davalos? I think Davalos, huh? When did Sipes No, I think Sipes. I, I, I think Sipes is older. I think you can put it that way. Yeah, Sipes because Sipes was in some factory connection in like 06. Long Sipes time came in. Sipes uh, and Hepler came in at the same time, which I believe was 05. Um, I think Davalos might have came in the next year. So, okay, so Sipes maybe uh, maybe he's been hurt. He doesn't have many starts as Davalos, but he's been doing it longer. Right, he definitely has missed a lot of a lot of time. Hey, on that same topic though, you know I think's actually um, been a little better than I thought this year. John Carlos Ramos. Well, I have to think something first. <laughs> to have exceeded my expectations. <laughs> I didn't. The guy was, but I'll tell you what. When he jumped out of the plane, firing the machine gun back into the plane, blowing the plane up before he hit the ground. Yeah. That was good. That was awesome. Yeah. That was awesome. Um, Brock Tickle has actually been pretty good. Like, I really thought it was going to be rough for him um, because, okay, I'm just going to say, it wasn't the most dominant lights career in Supercross ever. You know, he wasn't exactly coming in like a house of fire, um, although he did get a title, but he won one race to do it. So, and then he kind of got bumped up a little early, and this class is super stacked. Um, to me, he's represented himself pretty well, you know. Yeah. He had one race where he didn't make the main, but I thought that, honestly, in this field, like that would be tough. But he's become, I think, it's more realistic to see him in the top ten than to see him out of it, which I think is pretty good. Yeah, there's no, like, oh, my God, he's going so fast. You don't ever hear that. It's not like, hey, did you see, no. did you see Tickle triple triple, you know? Right. Um, but right. having said that, he's, yeah, steady. Yeah, what do you think? Do you think he's done pretty well? Yeah, yeah, I think he's done all right. I, I wouldn't count him as better than I thought, but – I mean, this weekend he beat Weimer and he beat Chisholm. Chisholm, I thought, would do better. I'm a little mystified at that. He's not happy. Uh, well, he's not that he's not happy with his bike. He's just not used to his bike. He's still working on settings. But, hey, man, we're round five already. You know, he's got to figure it out. Um, yeah, he beat uh, beat Jimmy Albertson and uh, Josh Hansen, Jeff Alessi. Let me just say this about Jeff Alessi. Paying and I said this last night. So you know what's coming. If you can't put together five fast laps, don't even try making the main event. That's, that's all I have to say about Jeff Alessi. I mean, you know, there's no doubt he didn't have 20 in him, but I don't think he had five in him. That's all. It's like, come on. I watched him. I'm just like, come on, guy. Really, guy? Well, I, I disagree that if a guy's rolling the track in the main event, pull him off. Pull a black flag the guy, you know? Like, get the hell out of there. You're just in the way. Yeah. Well, I don't understand why guys just continue to circulate. You're going to get 20 or whatever. Like, just get off. Well, uh, maybe something happened to Jeff Alessi. Maybe I don't know the whole story, and that's very possible. Um, but every time I saw him, he was just rolling, you know, seat bouncing, standing standing up there, riding around the track. I'm just like, you know, there's guys like, say, I don't know, guys like Jason Thomas, let's pull a random name out, that, uh, you know, do have 20 laps in them of – of not blazing speed, but slow, steady speed, like a locomotive. So, that's my rant for the day. That's, that's, that's it. And like I said, maybe something happened to Jeff. I don't know. I don't know the whole story. So, Well, it takes me back to um, when, back when the Nationals, you had to race your way in to qualify. Like yeah. The top ten were guaranteed spots, and you had to race your way in. Yeah. Um, I was, at that time, I was the editor of the racing paper, which is our local paper in West Virginia and Pennsylvania. 
So I talked to all the local guys about trying to qualify, and all they would say is, dude, it's so totally unfair. It's a four-lap race. Like, it doesn't even matter how fast you are. One first-turn crash or a bad start, that's not a measure of how good a rider you are. You should go about how fast you are. So then they change it to lap times, and then it's like, if it's a race, you should race to qualify. Yeah. It's not a qualifying race. It's a race. <laughs> what so, is this accent you're doing, Wade? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, you should race to race. I want to know where that's from. That's, uh, that's Western Pennsylvania bro. <laughs> that's funny. Pittsburgh bro. That dude's like puffing up their chest after they didn't qualify, <laughs> explaining that they're so much better. than. But I think they had a point like either way. Like you're, you know, Jeff Alessi clearly doesn't have 20 laps in him, but if he gets a good start in a heat race and, you know, rides smart enough to hold some dudes back, he got in with what? Didn't he get like an eighth or a ninth in his heat? Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's possible to get in. You might say that JT is a better rider, a more deserving rider, but that's the way this qualifying system works. And when I hear people rant on that they should race their way into the Nationals, I'm like, well, sometimes that happens too. Well, I'm just pulling JT out randomly. I don't even, you know, really know him that well. No, but that's, that's right. the point. Like, there isn't a qualifying system that's ever going to be considered no, perfectly fair, no. and that's the way it works. My point is, but when I hear people, it's yeah. like I don't think Jeff, for whatever reason, he didn't have even five more laps of hard charging in him or, or seven laps of hard charging in him. That was it. That was it. You You're know, saying like, don't line up. Don't, don't line up. If you, know you, if you know making the main event is going to expose a problem, you can't race the main event. I mean, I don't know. You know what? Now that I'm talking more, I realize I sound stupider and more bitter. <laughs> so, you know, never mind. Whatever. Good for, good for Jeff Alessi. He got in the main event. Good job. I mean, honestly, like, you know, I'm starting to think that I sound like an idiot here because I'm just saying, you know, that he's not trying hard or whatever. So. Now, any, anyone that gets in that main event, they earned it. Eight, eight laps with those guys, you still you can't be an idiot and make the main. It's just right. you got to give them some credit. I don't like when a guy goes out. Unless, now I don't care what the circumstance is. If you're rolling around the track, they should be black flags and pulled off. You're just in the way of guys who are still racing for points and money. Yeah. Get the hell off. Either either ride to the best of your ability or get off the track. I will go ahead and agree with that part of it. Yeah. I, other than that, I, I just sound like an idiot. So. Um. Bitter idiot. Bitter, bitter idiot. Bitter. Yeah. Bitter, bitter idiot. Um. What are we What are we looking for? Um. This weekend, Wygant. If, what if Villapoto strung the strings together another win? Are we in trouble? Is the other guys in trouble? That shit's not us. We're not in trouble. But uh, I, I don't think, I don't think uh, like like in most years you'd be worried about that. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminds me of of Jacksonville last year when when Villapoto finally had a problem. And you have to remember that going into that race, Villapoto had been riding very smart. It wasn't like, well, you knew this was going to happen because he was riding like a maniac. Was that was, was, was that one of the Western PA guys saying that? Bro, ooh, he's riding like a maniac. <laughs> um, yeah, bro. Uh, you know, he had actually been the smart guy. The other guys were taking each other out, crashing and all that stuff. So then Jacksonville happens, and we're all going crazy. Like, I cannot believe this. I cannot believe Villapoto didn't qualify for the main. After the race, Reed is like, I was kind of disappointed to hear all you guys going that crazy. Like, this stuff is going to happen. Like, you can't just take it race by race. Like, you know, you can give all those points back. And it's going to happen. So I think that's the mentality most of these guys are going to have. I don't think if Filippoto serves up a beatdown, I don't think 
<clears throat> any of those main, or say other three guys, are going to say it's over. Right. You're just going to think, well, he'll screw up. He'll give us some points back. It's just the ebb and flow of the 17 race series. Oh, the series, yeah. We'll be back. Um, P- Ping, Chad Reed's had an incredible run of success this weekend in San Diego in that stadium. But, but is it really that? Is it really like he likes the stadium and, and he likes going to San Diego? Like, do you think that really is something mentally there? Or has it just always just worked out for him in San Diego? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's the stadium, the physical stadium itself. I just think he he's had a you know he got a win there early in his career, and then like every year he, he looks forward to going back there. You know, you have good memories of that place. So it just you know right. you're kind of it just kind of gives you a little mental perk, you know, and you're like, ah, yeah, this place I I did good here. I want to I want to kill it. Did you have a did you have a stadium like that or a place like that? Yeah, I mean, many any place you win, any place you do well, you're like, yeah. oh, I like that place. I won there. I didn't get there. <laughs> okay. You know, I, I liked Minneapolis. I liked Anaheim. Yeah. I always I started liking the openers because okay. I, I kind of had figured out how to stay calm and where everybody else kind of grenaded at the opener. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, you just figure out what you like. And then there's places you hate. I hated San Diego. I freaking hated that place. You, you we lost you there, but you didn't you didn't like San Diego. That's what you're saying. You didn't like San Diego. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I broke a femur there early on in my career, and then I, I don't know if it was coincidence or just that little mental block, but I never did well there. I don't think I ever – I got a fourth there in my first year, but then in 96 I broke my femur. I don't think I was ever in the top five after that there, ever. Hmm. And my last year in 03, broke both wrists in the wolves there. <laughs> I mean, I, it just it, yeah. maybe it's coincidence. I just always hated that place. And for him, it's the opposite. He won there early, and now he, he loves it. He goes there early, does well. I feel that way about In and Out. Like I like it. I feel good there. Yeah, you always win when you go. Yeah, I'm always winning when I'm there. Always. Mm. So, uh, anything else, guys? Why can't? Um, what I find is weird. You look at <clears throat> Reed's won a lot of races there. How is it? The circumstances work out great, and I'm not going to say these are gifts, mm-hmm. but it's just weird. Like, last year at that race, Villapoto was flying. It was kind of muddy. He was looking even better than usual. You know, and then I think he went down off the start and then crashed again. Um, you know, and I'm not Trey was leading and looked really good and then fell. Right, and he fell. That's right. So it's just weird. Yeah. You know, I don't want to make it seem like Chad doesn't deserve those wins, but it seems like good things happen for him there. So well, do we need to start believing in uh, this is going to take it way beyond motocross. Like, when do you start believing in divine intervention, higher powers, other forces, things happen for a reason. I don't know if I'm prepared to, to discuss this. Start, uh, start it, think- it is weird that it happens that way. Start thinking in the power of Giancarlos Ramos, things like that. Well, he could probably overcome those. Uh, uh, remember uh, San Diego? I was, uh, I was working as a mechanic. Uh, RC and Reedy lapped, uh, lapped third place. So, clearly, that was a, yeah. a good night. For, for him, too. But uh, that was the same thing. Carmichael, I think, had won four or five in a row coming into that race. And he passed Reed, got ahead of him. You're like, here comes win number six. Carmichael's the man again. And then he got stuck behind a couple of lap guys, and Reed pulled off a pass on him and won. And you're like, how come those lap guys didn't get involved at the other previous races when yeah. they were battling like this? It just yeah. seems to, to work out. And then do you remember Carmichael's attempt to get him back? No. Um, you know, the guy who rides smart, rides for points, rides for the championship. <laughs> I think he was in seventh gear going into the whoops on the last lap 
just to win one race. Like, he had yeah. a 20-point lead. Yeah. It was like round seven in the series. And uh, it was one of the – he had a helmet cam on, even crashing the whoops of the helmet cam. It was ridiculous. The, the biggest myth out there is, is Ricky uh, playing it safe and taking care of the points and no. knew, knew what was going on. Like when Reed had him covered at the end of 03. No. That was the biggest myth perpetrated by his team and his buddies and all that. That, that, that guy never wanted to lose – one single race, didn't matter what it was, yeah. you know. Yeah. So um, there was no packing it in. No, no. Next weekend, and it was well, it was funny on the broadcast uh, um, for one of the races. We, you and I, were talking about it. Ricky said, "You know, I'd wait, I'd wait to pass that guy, whatever the strategy was. I'd wait till like the last couple laps and, and wait to get him back." Yeah, it was uh, Oakland when uh, <laughs> Villapoto was challenging Stewart and Stewart was challenging Reed. Yeah. Yeah, and he's like, I would wait till you know, lap 7 or 18, set these guys up, and then the last lap or two, make the move. And I'm like, what Supercross race ever, ever, ever does that strategy work? Right. That's, that's uh, 19 out of 20 races that doesn't happen. Like, that's the best strategy. And when would Ricky ever do that? He would just rev his bike to 16,000 RPM <laughs> and try, try to come in and break your femur at every chance he could get until he got by you, you know? Uh, or, or, or he'd never have anybody challenging him. You know what I mean? So it's just funny. but Right, right. It wasn't like he, every outdoor national, he was like third at the 25-minute yeah. mark, and then that <laughs> superior fitness carried yeah. him to the front. Yeah. Like, how about being two seconds faster than everyone else from the very first lap of the race? Yeah. How about probably being... You know, the, the only time I can even recall someone doing that is Dungey, the year he won both titles. He had a pattern of, like, he would wait... Yeah, you know, five or ten minutes into the race, yeah. he, he seemed like he was just going the same speed as everyone, and then all of a sudden, it was like he just turned it on and he started going faster, and he was gone. Yeah, the uh, well, Baggett last year, Baggett was waiting till about halfway. He said, "That's what he had said, anyways." That's right. Till he yeah. turned it on, and I know when that race in Indy that Villeman passed Ricky, he was setting him up and waiting for that move with 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 a lap to go or two laps to go. So right, the Cobra, sneaky Cobra, but. Generally speaking, yes, does does not happen. Very tough to do. I, I I never raced at that level, but I'd say your best strategy is to try to get the lead early and pull away. Yeah. Because that seems like more races. <laughs> I'm just going to go on a limb here, but I bet you if you looked, more races have been won that way. Leading early and pulling away. It seems yeah, like yeah, the majority yeah. <laughs> of the wins come from that. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Generally speaking, it's nice when the last few laps of the race you're thinking about what's on your DVR as opposed to, you know, can, <laughs> can I get this guy. We had some, some traffic some traffic beaters, people getting out of there lap 15, 16 over the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> so um, let's get out of here. All right, guys. Uh, thank you for doing the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast show. Uh, same time, same place next week where we will rehash San Diego, and we will indeed see if Chad Reed can come through once again in that stadium, and that should be interesting. Cool. All right, guys. Thanks. See you next week. See you guys. See you. Later. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Steve Mathis Show. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to find the more than 200-episode archive or get the Pulp MX app for your iPhone for the complete Pulp MX fix.